When you find yourself in the middle of suffering, what are your thoughts about it all? Do you think you've failed? Do you think you've lost? Well, Scripture has something vastly different to tell us, as we'll see next. We always tend to view suffering as something that is not good, something that's not right, something that indicates that we somehow have failed. But Scripture tells us something totally different. Welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, who will take us back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. It's part of our series, Triumphing in Troubled Times. And believe me, we're in some troubled times, are we not? How do you face them? Suffering leads to triumph, as we'll see today. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Now, what does Christ do in a resurrected body? He said, I'm paying a visit to the penitentiary of spirit beings. And I'm going to the door. And I'm saying, hear me well. I made it. I got here. I've gone to the cross. You try to kill me at Bethlehem. You try to kill me in Genesis 6. You tried to thought you wiped me out at the cross. You thought you'd never hear from me again. I'm here to announce you're defeated. You're liars. And your judgment is coming. I am a resurrected Christ. I've overcome death and the grave. I've overcome the satanic plot. Can you imagine if you were really saved, you could jump a pew right now and run about three, run about three rows. But we're so tame. You talk about truth. This is our Christ. This is the Christ. I suffered. You thought that was the end. You haven't seen the end, honey. You haven't seen him in a resurrected body. When he tells these spirit beings, I routed your plan. I've incarcerated you. And you got the lake of fire coming. It's coming. Because you tried, you tried to uh, defeat God's plan. Matter of fact, if you want an astounding verse, look with me uh, to Colossians. Thank you, Matt, for bringing it up here today. Colossians 2. Look there. Book of Colossians. You're there, aren't you? I can't hear paper. How many are using your phone? I get so tired of that. I'm going to hear paper. Two, uh, let's pick up verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Isn't that beautiful? Which stood against us and condemned us. He's taking it away, nailing it to the cross. The picture is all the indebtedness or all the indictments against us that no doubt in the hands of Satan was a great tool to keep you condemned. You know, if every day I wanted to get to you, I could show the the indictments against you. You're a criminal for these reasons. Or you owe money for this. You owe the law this. And just remind you, beat you to death. And Jesus said to the Father, I want to pick up all the IOUs on the way to the cross. And he went to the cross and we nailed the IOU there. All legal charges against you have been erased at the cross. Now, before you shout too much, let's just keep going. Now watch this. Having 
disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. This word public spectacle, the only other time it's used in all of Scripture is when Joseph said he put Mary away to protect her from public disgrace. She's a pregnant teenage girl, probably 14 or 15. Joseph loved her. He knew she wasn't promiscuous, but the community doesn't know it. And here she's carrying a baby. And he said, he put her away privately, not wanting to expose her to public disgrace. Same word. Guess what Christ did? Christ, when he was resurrected and going on his way to heaven, he called every spirit being in the universe together. Millions of them. Stars. uh, There's no more stars than there are angels. He called good angels and bad angels. He called them all together as an angelic meeting of the universe of spirit beings. And when he got them together, he took all those rebellious spirit beings that had declared war against God and him, and he made a public spectacle of them. He showed them their whips. They couldn't defeat the plan. And now they had to deal with the rest. He was easy to handle when he was a babe. uh, Riding down to Egypt with Mary and Joseph. But by George, I am now the risen Christ. I want you to know I'm going to strip you of all dignity. In front of all other spirit beings. I remember uh, the story. Chuck Swindoll told it years ago. And he's warning us preachers, don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't get in trouble. And he told the story that when he was a Marine in Japan, while he was serving there, one of the ranking officers decided he'd go to the Red Lake District. Had to go visit a brothel. He got busted. Got being an officer... He was expected to hold to a greater standard. And Swindoll describes what it was like for all those men to be standing at attention. And for the commanding officer to take this man and strip him of his four stars in front of all these men. Stripped of his rank. Stripped of his honor. Made a publicly public this, this, uh, this exposure of his failures. And said... You violated your moral duty to these troops. We're stripping you in front of them. You're going to have no dignity when we're done with you. Jesus stripped the spirit world of all their insult and all their seemingly power. Then he went on. And that word, by the way, to make a public spectacle, that word is used of coming into a royal courtroom and having, uh, having the king or the the despot to strip you in front of the other peers for doing a bad job. Just, I'm going to strip you. And then he says, we're going to triumph over you by the cross. And the word there is really a triumphal party, a celebration. Let's throw a party in front of these fallen spirit beings. Michael, 
Gabriel, get over here. Let's dance and have a party in front of them. Say, you're defeated. It was used of the Roman generals that marched into Rome. They threw a celebration in the heavens. I have conquered death. I've conquered Satan. I am a risen, conquering, triumphant Savior. That's what he's saying. Then he goes on to say how he overcame death in the flood. You could say the judgment of God. And he starts talking uh, about Noah and the flood. And he says some difficult things for us as we try to interpret the scriptures. Because he said uh, about them that water saves and uh, you know we get the, whoa water saves verse 21 and the water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also and so that what what is being said here what does it mean baptism saves you and he says it's a symbol it's, it's, it's a copy of what happened to Noah the water saves you baptism saves you well, let's think through the illustration. I'm going to Noah. Water is going to get so deep. As I read the narrative again, it said water, I believe it was, was 25 feet deep over the highest mountain peak. So all the mountains were covered. So if Mount Everest existed then, if it had that height, the water, the flood, was at least 25 feet higher than that. This was no local flood, friend. This was no local flood. So, it's covering. And one passage in the Greek says, they were saved through water, dia. They came through the agency of water. Let's think it through. Did the water save anybody? You know, there's only two ways to understand water. You're either underwater or you're above it. Is that too profound? (laughs) Under the water, you're dead. If we thought water saved, we would just hold you under and leave you there. You know, you're getting saved. The last thing you could tell the Lord when you see him is all I know they were baptizing Water cannot save you. It'll drown you, but it can't save you. Was Noah saved by going underwater or saved by going in the ark? So far, you're doing good. (laughs) So, what's the message? In baptism, we're celebrating that we have overcome the waters of judgment. That the waters that could drown us and the judgment Christ underwent could have killed us. But through our identity with Christ that we believe baptism is a picture of, we have died to sin. We have been buried. We went under the water. But I thank God, even in our baptism practices, we bring them up. We come up. 
And Peter's careful to say, just know this baptism I'm talking about cannot wash away physical or moral filth, either one. It cannot. It doesn't have the power to make you clean. Not at all. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing something externally that you're testifying, I belong to Christ, my ark. And with him, I've undergone the waters of judgment. With him, I've gone to the cross. In him, I've been buried. And in him, I've risen. And my conscience answers to God, I really am trusting Christ. I am believing. My conscience is, my inner man agrees with the external act. I just made a public statement. I am Christ and he is mine. And the judgment of God shall not touch me. Because I've been in the ark. I've withstood the storm of divine judgment. Everything that Noah experienced. You see what you could have done? Imagine being a Jonah preaching 120 years. And he steps out and says, children, it's going to rain. And I can imagine the scientific crowd. Can you put that under a microscope? What is rain? We only get dew. We've never seen rain. You crazy old man, you're 600 years old. You know, your mind starts going. It's going to rain. And what's Peter preaching? Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And what is this generation saying? You're out of your head. Let the good times roll, honey. It's time to party and boogie. He said, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. You're crazy, Noah. You're cra- and how long did he do this? You know what? We would have wrote him up in Leadership Magazine as a failure. You mean you could only get seven other people to get in with you? Yep. That's all. There's just eight of us. Can you imagine what the exiles that Peter's writing? You're small in number. The world is mocking our message. He's making fun of this Christian sect in which its pastors are being thrown to lions, burned at the stake, martyred. You're a bunch of idiots. Don't follow that crazy Nazarene that got himself killed under Pontius Pilate. You bunch of fanatic, absurd idiots. But friend, it rained. It rained. And it rained for 40 days. And it did not just come down. He opened up all the fountains of the deep. He turned everything upside. God made water like you couldn't believe to cover this whole globe. I'm sick of what I made. I'm going to wipe you out. And I'm going to do it again. But I'm going to use fire. Human race, if you're here without Christ, your only hope is to get in the ark. You you better run to Christ. You you know what? You don't need swim lessons. It won't do any good. Can you imagine a guy saying, I'll just swim through the flood. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. 150 days out there with the earth covered. You can't swim that long. Maybe you said, I can climb. I get up over the bed. Well, you're still 30 feet under. Maybe, oh, I'll make myself a life preserver. That's what you need. That's what you need. And some of you say, 
I ain't running to Jesus. I'm going to figure a way out of the flood myself. I don't need to be in an ark. Matter of fact, they got a bunch of weird-looking animals in there. It's like the local church. If it wasn't for the flood on the outside, none of us would want to be on the inside. But friend, this old ship of Zion, see, I'm a deckhand on the old ship of Zion. We're telling you to get on board. Because God slammed the door shut and nobody could get in. And you've only got so much time before God slams the door. He's going to slam it. Can you ought to come? He's saying, come. Come. If I'll save a giraffe, I'll be more than willing to save you. We've got all these animal lovers. Friend, it's nice if we can save the whales, but I'm more interested in saving some some human being. (laughs) Seeing some human being come to Christ. Sometimes I can't stand the two o'clock news. Good night. I just heard about three dogs that died. You know, I, it just grips me. I can't hardly, can't hardly sleep on it. Said, so this is the local news. Oh, you're not with me because you've got a puppy, I know. Uh, listen to what it says here. It, it baptism saves you. Not because of water, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Why is he in there? We start in his triumph. First, he goes to the cross. And you say, I see no triumph. All I see is blood, gore, and rejection. Don't worry. He accomplished what he needed to there. Next, he goes to the prison house where the spirit beings that try to eliminate him ever getting here. He tells them, I defeated you. God defeated your plan. Even though it cost the whole human race their life, we defeated you. You're a defeated foe. Then, then he goes here. And he says, let me tell you, I defeated the wrath of God against sin because in my son I provided an ark through the judgment waters. And and I came out on the other end a resurrected Savior. Thirdly, I am triumphing because I'm having all spirit beings and especially even these fallen spirit beings. God has put me at his right hand, the ultimate place of authority, According to Psalms 110. And I'm going to remind you that I've stripped you. That I've defeated you. And that I, did you know, get this. Not only people on the earth. According to Philippians. Every spirit being along with every human being. Someday will join in that chorus and say, he is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. I said every spirit, every demonic spirit, that that demons, every demon that lived in Gadara, 6,000 demons believed to be in that maniac. Chains weren't strong enough. Every demon that made you sleep with a different person every night, every drug addict that's strung out, not only on a drug, but maybe a demon-possessed life. 
He's going to tell every demon, every fallen angel, every rebellious man, sing, join, go. Let us now sing. Can you imagine that atheist? He is Lord. Yeah, yeah, sing it. I can't hit Karl Marx. Kind of get up a little higher. You're a little off tune there. Carl, up. Lennon, up. Yes, sir. Voltaire, sing, get your part. And every tongue shall. What well, can I hear? Can I hear all you atheists? I can't. He is Lord. I don't see you bowing. You're going to bow. You're going to bow. Every spirit being is going to bow. And you're going to bow. Whether you believe in him or not, you will bow. Because he is Lord of all creation. And he says, I end up here. I'm a triumphant Christ. You're not following some defeated mamby-pamby baby in the manger. You're following the restoring, risen, exalted Christ. That's the Christ that's coming. This is the Christ that defeats the armies at Armageddon. This is no wimp Christ. This is the mighty Christ. Spirit beings bow before him. Spirit beings tremble. You're not following a defeated Christ still on the cross. Don't give me a cross. Give me a necklace with him on the cross. Give me one with an empty tomb. He's risen. He's risen. Can he save you? Well, he sure can. He's already routed your enemy. Greater is he that... And, and, and so many of us conservatives here, it's so bad in the Bay Area. It was pretty bad in Noah's day. He kept preaching. I said he kept preaching. So, said, well, anybody listen? Oh, only seven people. Only seven. You know what? What if Valley gets down to 50 people? Would you still serve him? Yes. I, I can't hear you. Yes. Is truth worth being loyal to? Yes. You know, some of you, well, Phil's going to leave. Did, I, we didn't say God was going to leave. Huh? We didn't say the comforter's going to leave. No, no. God's tools get used, laid aside. You know, I got preacher friends of mine. I said, God, you took Steve Fernandez too young. He's young. He's only in his 60s. We need him. God said, don't tell me my business. I'll take him whatever age I want. Spurgeon's only 58. You can't take away the greatest English-speaking preacher in history. Yes, I will. You can't take George Whitfield in his 50s. He's the greatest evangelist in England. I'll take him in his 50s. Some of you live longer, but you've done less. What will you do if God gives you a hundred more years? Will you be preaching the gospel? Will you be praying? Will you just say, I'll be praying when he comes. I'll be serving when he comes. What will he catch you doing if he comes today? Are you in the ark? Are you aware you have a triumphant Christ? Quit feeling sorry for him. He's Lord. And he's got the nations in the palm of his hands. And he's going to shatter them as a vessel. Just like that. And God said, I will laugh at those who have mocked my son.
I will laugh at you as I cast you into the lake of fire. For I will have the final word. I know him. I was scared to death of him at 14 because I knew I was going to hell. But guess what? He picked up all my certificates of debt and they've been paid. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name of the Lord.